0: Hello America, it's time for Uncle Sam Says. This is the story of the flogging of Daniel Morgan. This is the story of the flogging that won the Revolutionary War. <laughs> That's right, that flogging may very well have turned the course of the war and won the Revolutionary War Force. And it happened about 20 years before the war started. Okay, well before we get to that, uh, today we start way back in the 1600s in the Welsh countryside where Henry Morgan was born. He was born in 1635 to a farmer, Henry Morgan. Now, uh, our story is about Daniel Morgan. Well, this is Henry Morgan, who was Daniel's great-great-grandfather. Young Henry Morgan had no such thoughts of becoming a farmer. He went to sea. He learned from the best and soon had a command of his own. That young man showed lots of promise. He decided to go to the West Indies and become a privateer. <laughs> now, you need to understand a couple things. Uh, first of all, a, a privateer is not a pirate. Uh, at least uh, from the British perspective uh, this time. The Spanish thought they they might have had a different point of view. You see, Henry Morgan always had a letter of marque which gave him legal standing to be a pirate for Britain. <laughs> or, or it would have if it was a real Letter of Mark. Y- you see, sometimes the letter was issued under kind of strange circumstances. Uh, so anyway, uh, a privateer is uh, its kind of a politically correct way of saying pirate. Uh, and oh, the, the men he commanded? Uh, politically correct uh, term for them was buccaneers. Uh, they They weren't pirates. Uh, Henry Morgan earned whatever he could pirate. Oh, excuse me. He earned whatever he could take from any Spaniard he could find. uh, Less whatever percentage he had to pay to the British crown, of course. Oh, and he learned very quickly that if he did his pirate... uh, Rather, his his, uh, uh, buccaneering. uh, If he took the loot from the Spanish on land instead of on the sea, he didn't have to pay the crown. You see, it wasn't specifically listed in his letters of Mark. Uh, it wasn't in the fine print. <laughs> he was amazing. At one point he commanded over 15 ships and 2,000 pirates, uh, I mean, buccaneers. Uh, he did make the crown happy, though. I mean, he took a lot of money into the British crown. At least they were happy enough to make him the governor of Jamaica. Henry Morgan has been called the most successful pirate, or er, buccaneer, a privateer of all time. He was a real rascal, and he was the great-great-grandfather of our real American Revolutionary War hero that we're going to talk about today, Daniel Morgan. Now, Daniel was cut from the same cloth. He had the same blood in his veins, and, oh, well, he was born 101 years after the birth of Henry Morgan in 1736 in New Jersey. His father was a forge operator, and there were seven children in the family. Daniel bred true to the bloodline of old, good old Henry Morgan. <laughs> and when he was just 16 years old, he had a fight with his father and he left home. Now Daniel, he grew to be a very large man and a hard man. He liked to drink and he liked to gamble. <laughs> he was a fun-loving man. He worked in sawmills, he cleared land, he was a teamster. He saved enough money to buy his own team in one year. And then he worked as a civilian teamster for the British Army. Now this was during the French and Indian War, about 20 years or so before the Revolutionary War. But uh, during the French and Indian War, the Army was advancing on Fort Pitt when an officer started making him mad. Now, staying true to his Henry Morgan bloodline, one day he got his fill of that British superior officer and he punched him out. (laughs) <laughs> well, General Burgoyne was the commanding officer and uh, he decided that wasn't a very good idea to punch out officers, and especially if you're a civilian. So he decided to make an example of <laughs> poor Daniel. He condemned him to death and it was to be the most horrible death anybody could imagine. He was tied to a post and given 499 lashes. Well, that usually killed the men. Daniel surprised everybody and he lived through it. And are we glad he did. It gave him an undying hatred of the British Army that very well may have been a big part in our winning the Revolutionary War. Ha, let me explain. Yapper, because General Burgoyne had a civilian teamster flogged, that act may have cost him the loss of the Revolutionary War 20 years later. That's right, the same General Burgoyne. I wonder how many times General Burgoyne wished he had either had just had Daniel Morgan shot, either that or just let him go. Oh yes, Daniel Morgan became a great pain to the British Army. After the American Revolutionary War began at the Battle of Lexington and Concord in 1775, the Continental Congress created the Continental Army. They called for the formation of ten rifle companies from the Middle Colonies to support the siege of Boston, and late in June of 1775 Virginia agreed to send two. The Virginia House of Burgesses chose Daniel Morgan to form one of these and serve as its captain. <laughs> now this is funny. You see, back then they say, hey, you go be a captain. <laughs> then you had to go out and recruit your own company. Find your own man. <laughs> And so he went after it. He recruited 96 men in 10 days and assembled them at Winchester on July 14th. He then marched them to Boston, Massachusetts in only 21 days. Arriving in August 6th, 1775, he led an outstanding group of snipers nicknamed Morgan's Sharpshooters. And boy, were they ever. Okay, later that year, Congress authorized an invasion of Canada. Colonel Benedict Arnold convinced General Washington to send an eastern offensive against Quebec. In support of Montgomery's invasion, Washington agreed to send three rifle companies from among his forces at Boston. If they volunteered. And, and all of the companies volunteered, so lotteries were used to choose who'd go, and Morgan's company was among those chosen. And Benedict Arnold selected Captain Morgan to lead all three companies as a unit. The expedition set out from Fort Western on September 25th, 1775, with Morgan's men leading the advance party. Now remember, Morgan's men, they were the sharpshooters. They had the long rifles. They started with over a 1,000 men, but by the time they got there, they only had about 600. (laughs) Tough journey. When Montgomery arrived, they attacked, and the Battle of Quebec, 1775, was on the morning of December 31st. The Patriots attacked in two thrusts commanded by Montgomery and Arnold. Arnold led the attack against the lower city from the north, but went down early with a bullet in his leg. Now Daniel Morgan was second in command, and he took over leadership of this force, and they successfully entered the city, (laughs) following him over the first barricade. Then Montgomery fell, and his attack faltered and leaving Daniel, Morgan, and his troops all hanging out there in the middle of the city all alone. British General Carleton led hundreds of local Quebec militia to encircle the second attack. He moved cannons and men in there, and they divided Morgan's group. They split up the lower city. They fired from all sides, and Morgan had to finally give up. But he had another thing up his sleeve. He would not surrender to Carleton. He surrendered his sword to a local French priest refusing to give it to Carleton for a formal surrender. Morgan was among 372 men captured. He remained a prisoner of war until exchanged in January of 1777. And you can bet, he hated the British Army! He hated them. They nearly killed him! They flogged him and, oh, I can imagine how he felt. Well, hey folks, thanks for listening. We'll finish this story up tomorrow. Till then, tell your friend, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.